Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Good morning. How are you? Hopefully your day is going to go very well. Hopefully there's not uh, anything really crazy on your agenda today. But uh, our, our show is going to be jam-packed. We're very excited, as I always say, to have uh, our guests and the topics that we, we cover. But today we're going to be speaking with Brent Haynes again, my friend. He's a political analyst. He's an attorney. We're going to be talking about the Equality Act that got passed in the House that is now in the Senate but it is a major concern for us as Catholics. Even the uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops uh, sounded the alarm. So we're going to talk about the Equality Act, what it really means, what's at stake, and what we can do about it at this point. Uh, Attorney Brent Haynes will be on with us for that conversation in a little while. And then later on in the show, Kim Zember is going to be on the program. She wrote a book called Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality, published by Sophia Institute Press. Do you have uh, anybody in your life you know that's struggling with same sex attraction? Well, this is the show for you. And uh, Kim Zember is going to be the guest to talk about how she struggled with same sex attraction, how she, how she gripped that with her Catholic faith and how she lives her life now, what it all means and, you know, what's behind it all. So we're going to have that conversation later in this hour. Plus in the next hour, if you're at all able to join us, we of course have our fear and trembling Catholic trivia game show, which is super fun and we give out prizes. And this week, it's Gifts by Beth that are sponsoring the prizes. So lots of uh, fun and opportunity. Your chances to win will be in the next hour if you can join us. Of course, we're broadcasting across the Guadalupe Radio Network this morning, as well as the Station of the Cross. So good morning to you all. Thank you for being on the program today. Uh, of course, the, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. I heard tomorrow is a special day. Tomorrow is a special day because we get to give somebody a brand new Mercedes. Yes, we're giving away the Mercedes, the rosary for gifts by Beth, but also it's Adrian's birthday. Oh, that's kind of special. Super special. Good morning to you, Adrian. Speaking of special. Eh, it's not that special. It's pretty special. Most people get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Most people. Most people. The good news is at your age, you still celebrate them. Okay, Uh. at my age and Brent's age, you know, uh, we stopped celebrating them years ago. (laughs) Birthdays at our age are overrated. But uh, enjoy them while you can, that's what I say. But happy birthday to you, Adrian. Thank you, thank you, but... We'll have proper fun with you tomorrow. We'll tease you properly tomorrow on the show. How it's a great that? feast day today, too. Great feast day today, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so a jam-packed Catholic Drive Time today. We're very excited. We hope that you can uh, join us for all or part of our program. And if you're hanging out with us live streaming this morning, like Patty and Valerie and Lori are, well, God love you and God bless you. Thank you, Lori, for sharing the video on Facebook, too, by the way. We always love it when you uh, smash the share and the like buttons on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So God love you. God bless you for that. But let's join in prayer. Uh, dear listener, whatever you're struggling with today, we're going to be praying for you, for your intentions, for whatever your needs are. We're going to include those prayers with our own for our radio apostolates at the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network, our team here, the Catholic Drive Time team, and our equipment and our families. Let's ask Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth, to pray and intercede on all of our behalf. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. 
Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And now the uh, headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The U.S. bishops have echoed the Vatican in once again stating that it is morally acceptable to receive COVID-19 vaccines produced using cell lines from aborted fetuses when no other alternative is available. But if possible, Catholics ought to choose a vaccine with a more remote connection to abortion. That description applies to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which was which used abortion-derived HEK-293 cell lines in design and development, production and lab testing. While not prohibiting Catholics from receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine if no other ethical alternative is available, the Archdiocese advised Catholics to seek out the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines when possible. The Tennessee State Senate on Monday passed a bill that would prevent transgender students from participating in middle school and high school sports outside of their biological gender. SB 0228, which was filed by Republican Senators Joey Hensley and Scott Chepicki, will now be considered by the House, but a date has yet to be set. The bill requires that a student's gender for purposes of participation in a public middle school or high school interscholastic athletic activity or event be determined by the student's sex at the time of the student's birth, as indicated on the student's original birth certificate. Kansas and Georgia are attempting to pass similar bills. Opponents of such bills deny that there exists unfair physical male advantages with the use of puberty blockers, believing that hormone treatments should even the playing field for males and females. Iraqi Christians and Muslims alike have expressed excitement for Pope Francis's upcoming trip to Iraq. David Bernocchi, Catholic Relief Service's country representative for Iraq, said, This country has been at the center of attention for bad news for so many years, unfortunately. And now they are really happy to be the center of the world's attention for a few days because of this great and positive event. Large banners depicting Pope Francis alongside Ali al-Sistani, an influential Shiite cleric in Iraq, have been hung in Najaf, one of the most sacred pilgrimage sites in Shiite Islam, after only Mecca and Medina. Pope Francis' visit comes as the country's security situation remains unstable. On March 3rd, two days before the Pope's departure, ten rockets hid Ain al-Assad military airport in western Iraq, which hosts U.S.-led coalition troops, killing one U.S. contractor. And for the second time, the Shroud of Turin will be exposed for veneration on social media and websites on Holy Saturday, the Archbishop of Turin has announced. The Shroud, which bears the image of a crucified man and has been venerated for centuries as Christ's burial cloth, will be displayed via live stream on April 3rd. The Shroud has gone on public display four times since the year 2000. The last time it was presented to the public was in 2015. Pope Francis prayed before the relic during a visit to Turin on June 21st of that year. Afterward, he described it as an icon of Christ's love, saying, quote, The shroud attracts people to the face and tortured body of Jesus and at the same time urges us, urges us on toward every person who is suffering and unjustly persecuted. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Saint Adrian of Nicomedia, pray for us. He was born in the late 3rd century, just east of Constantinople, what is now known as Istanbul. 
He was a pagan officer and bodyguard of the imperial court of Nicomedia. Adrian, though, was so impressed by the strength and faith shown by the persecuted Christians that he declared himself a Christian, though he had not been baptized. He was immediately arrested and tortured. He and fellow prisoners were tended to by his own wife, St. Natalia, until they were executed. He was thrown to the lion, but the lion refused to touch him, so they broke his legs, and then they dismembered him with a sword on the 4th of March, 304. They burned his body, but it was a storm that would extinguish the fires just in time to salvage some of his relics, which his wife collected on his behalf and the behalf of the Christian church in the ancient world. St. Adrian of Nicomedia, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and died and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that little phrase, uh, wait, there's a chasm, so that way if someone wants to go from our side to yours, like, who would want to go from the bosom of Abraham to the fires of torment? Like, I'm just curious. Can I have an example, please? Like, who would dare want that? That seemed very strange to me all of a sudden. It was weird. But at any rate, notice uh, how impactful this, this gospel passage is. We've all heard it a bunch of times, right? The man in purple and fine linen, very it's a ruler, possibly a king, someone of the uh, aristocracy, but someone very rich at the very least. But that purple, I think, is a, is a tell, tell sign here of who we're talking about. But notice that it's the poor man. Unlike all other parables, this one has a name, and that is Lazarus. And uniquely, Lazarus, in fact, the real Lazarus, does die and is raised from the dead. So it's a powerful parable at that uh, because of that element. 
But also notice that there's like sort of a nod here to the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And ultimately, it comes down to the hardness of the rich man's heart. In life, he seemed callous to the poor man at his doorstep, his own neighbor whom he could have helped easily just by feeding the scraps from his table, but he refused to. And even in death, he still saw Lazarus as someone who should serve his needs even, uh, to go dip his finger in water and cool his tongue, or if not that, at least send Lazarus to my brothers that they may uh, you know, repent of their evil ways or their hardness of heart or their callousness and come uh, and not come to the fires of torment, but rather to the bosom. Now, what's interesting is in this parable, in life, other than him being rich and not caring for the poor man at his doorstep, we see no other sins committed by the man in life. And so it's a very fascinating parable that I think has multiple layers, like an onion that you could peel back and apply to our own lives about how our own dispositions are to our neighbors and their needs. And to also the four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And I would say in this holy season of Lent is another great opportunity for us to ponder these last four things in our own life. Are we prepared to stand in judgment for the life that we have lived? Are we living in a state of grace now? Are we prepared? That's the question I would ask. Adrian? Yes. So one thing that I think is important to note uh, is... Whenever Cornelius Alapide talks about the man appearing to his brothers, now this is an important thing to know, and I talked about this a lot whenever I was doing the meditation on hell uh, during Advent. Um, see, during this time, you have to recognize that the people in hell have no charity anymore, none whatsoever. And so why is it that he's trying to go and warn his brothers uh, about this impending doom? There's no love for him. There's no desire to help him. Why is he doing this? Now, Chrysostom, Ambrose, and Theophilusat, in which Cornelius Halapide agrees with them, says that the reason why he goes to do this is not out of love for his brother, not out of any virtue of itself, but because he desired to uh, make the punishments for himself less. Because having his brothers here in hell, which would um, increase the torments of hell, these uh, because... It would be partially his fault that they, that his brothers are in hell, and so it would increase his position in hell that he would desire to save them for his own sake. All right. Praise be to God. We have so much more Catholic Drive Time headed your way. Uh, we might uh, chat about this. I see some comments on the Facebook stream uh, about the gospel today. We may bring those up in the after show where you, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation. I want to thank Sean and uh, St. Dominic's Media and Patty for sharing our video. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. We're going to talk about the Equality Act and how it will affect your life and what you can do. Critics often accuse Christians of being intolerant for saying a person's belief is wrong. The underlying assumption being that a tolerant worldview accepts everyone's opinions as having equal value. What can we say in response? Well, first, the objection wrongly assumes that tolerance means accepting everyone's opinions as having equal value. The true meaning of tolerance is respecting a person's dignity even though you think he's wrong. We're labeled as intolerant for saying someone is wrong, but yet saying someone is wrong belongs to the essence of tolerance. Second, the charge applies a double standard. The objector says the Christian is being intolerant for saying someone's belief is wrong, but yet in doing so, the objector necessarily implies the Christian's belief is wrong, and thus is being intolerant according to his own standards. So the charge from intolerant is simply confused and inconsistent. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. In Nicaragua, many children growing up in rural areas don't know what it's like to have clean, safe drinking water. Their water sources are often shared with farm animals, and the water is infested with high levels of bacteria. Together, we can change that. Cross Catholic Outreach works with local Christian partners to provide clean, abundant water to families in need. This mission dramatically transforms the health and lives for generations to come. Visit crosscatholic.org slash transform to learn more. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up in, I don't know, 17 or 18 minutes, at some point, I will actually have an actual number. I'm just guessing at this point. To this point of the show, I've only just guessed on how long it's going to be. But I'm guessing around 17, 18 minutes from now, we'll be speaking with Kim Zember about issues of freedom, identity, and vocation. People struggling with same-sex attraction. What do, we, what do we do about that? How do we help them? How should we approach them? Uh, how do we minister them to them? Kim Zimber has uh, had uh, a struggle with same-sex attraction in her own life, and she wrote a book, and it's published by Sophia Institute Press, and she will be our guest today uh, to talk about that struggle and uh, maybe give some, especially some parents with children who might be struggling with same-sex attraction, some, give them some help. So that'll be our guest segment later on, but this is the What's Concerning Us segment where we pull out several stories and usually dive into them and talk to the talk about them from a Catholic perspective. But joining us in studio is my uh, my friend Brent Haynes. He's an attorney, a political analyst, and a, and a speaker, especially on religious liberty issues. And we brought him in today to discuss the Equality Act. Good morning to you, Brent Haynes. Hey, good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, do me a favor. Turn, turn that mic on and bring it nice and close. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, we've, we've we brought up the Equality Act a couple of times over the past couple of weeks uh, and tried to sound the alarm. Even the USCCB has asked uh, Catholics to pay attention here. What is the Equality Act, and why should we be concerned? We should be concerned because it is the gravest threat to religious freedom in this country, probably in our lifetime. And the uh, bishops and other people are right to be concerned and and should be raising the alert. Um, In fact, we spoke about this uh, at my own parish uh, two years ago, back in 2019. I gave an entire talk on the the Equality Act. Um, This has been in the works for years, even Various versions of it have been in the works since the 1970s. Wow. Now, uh, what people will mostly see if they watch, uh, let's just say, the the conventional media, Mm. is that this is an act that ends discrimination against people who have transgender surgery or feel like they want to undergo a transgender process and identify from the uh, sex opposite the one they were born with or any other kind of of, – sexual identity. And so the advocates say, look, this just stops discrimination against these people in jobs, in housing, um, you know, in going to restaurants, going to Airbnb or, or, or going to hotels, stops discrimination against these people. And on the surface, that sounds innocent enough, Joe, because sure. who's in favor of discrimination? Right. Unfortunately, the bill goes a lot farther than that. I, I was just, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, God, you as a uh, are there hotels that prevent people uh, with uh, transgender issues from booking a room? I, I doubt it. I mean, if that's the case, then I you could always simply report those uh, institutions, organizations to the local authorities. Um, so why do we need an entire Equality Act to do what probably is not, a, is not an issue, to manage an issue that's not an issue in our country? Well, the, the, the short, honest legal answer on that is uh, 
a lot of states and localities don't have laws that protect transgender people. Mm. Um, but your broader point is well made. You know, where where it, where is this widespread discrimination? Does it really call for for a law? But the point for Christians, for for religious people of of, of any faith that recognizes. Uh, traditional family values or recognizes men and women as created by God um, is that the bill goes much further than just stopping uh, mean and unfair discrimination. Mm. And what it essentially does is it makes it illegal for anybody to distinguish between a man and a woman or a boy and a girl. And we could talk about this all day, Joe, but let me just give you a few examples. We know what the Equality Act will do because there are several states and several cities and local governments around the United States that already have the Equality Act. One of the best-known examples of of this are bathroom ordinances. Mm. And those have been fought in many cities and in many uh, many areas around the country in recent years. But the uh, Equality Act would essentially outlaw the distinction between uh, men's rooms and women's rooms. So women who are uncomfortable with having a biological man come into the ladies' room would have no recourse to object if the Senate passes this bill and it becomes law. Because all the man has to do is say, I identify as a woman. And that's really the part of the problem with the bill is it all depends on how the person identifies. So it's not just people who have had surgery and who have uh, taken hormone treatment and, and, and gone through the entire process. It's for anybody who says that they're doing that or that they just feel that that's what they're going to do. And then they would get to raise a host of legal objections for anybody who wants to distinguish against them. This is true even in schools, Joe. We've already seen this. Under the, the Obama presidential administration, the Department of Justice and the Department of Education sent out a letter, and it's called guidance. And guidance is a term your listeners ought to become familiar with because it's basically the new way of making law in the United States. And what happens is, what happened in 2016 and what is now happening under the current administration is that the, the president's agencies, the Department of uh, Education, Department of Justice, sent out one of these guidance letters to schools all around the country. And it basically says, this is what the law is, and this is how we're going to enforce it. So it tells Mm. schools what to do if they want to avoid getting lawsuits. Now, Joe, who wants to get sued by the Department of Justice? Who wants to have their education funding cut off by the federal government? Right. So uh, even little boys who claim to be little girls in grade school have to be allowed to use the girls' restroom under this rule. Um, and would have to under the law. And your listeners can go and just look up the story of Pasha Thomas from Georgia. Look up the story of Pasha Thomas from Georgia. Years ago, her five-year-old little girl was assaulted in the girls' room at school, five years old, by a boy who was allegedly uh, gender fluid or identifying as a girl, and he was the uh, Mrs. Thomas and those who shared her concerns were given short shrift by the educational administration there because they were following the guidance set out by the Obama administration, which says you have to let boys use the girls' restroom. That's just the bathroom issue, Joe. Another issue that your listeners might be familiar with is uh, allowing transgender boys who say they want to be girls compete in girls' sports. Right. We've seen a lot of stories of that lately. They're sort of destroying female sports uh, by dominating 
the the biological gender. And there is a lawsuit in Connecticut raised by um, some high school athletes there. And these girls sued and said, look, this isn't fair. The Trump administration, the Department of Justice joined in that lawsuit. The Biden administration has withdrawn. Mm. So um, we're talking with uh, attorney Brent Haynes. He's a a political analyst, a Catholic speaker on religious liberty and so much more. We're talking about the Equality Act here. Uh, Brent, we have about four and a half more minutes left in our conversation uh, with you about this. Let's let's pivot to be more focused on the church. How will the Equality Act impact uh, Christianity in, impact the Catholic Church in particular. Will we be forced to marry people with uh, in these gender issues? Will we? Will the church have to recognize? Them? Will they have to? Will they have to uh, hire people who are, believe something completely contrary to the teaching of the church at schools, at parishes, and dioceses and institutions? You hit the nail on the head. In short, for you basically asked two questions, and the answers for now are no and yes. This is where the attack on religious liberty comes in. And it's important for people to think of the difference between freedom of religion and freedom of worship. It's unlikely that in the United States, at least in the near future, um, probably ever, as long as we have the Constitution the way it is, that um, the Catholic, a Catholic priest would be required to conduct a mass to marry two people of the same sex. That is unlikely. Um, core religious activity, what goes on inside the four walls of the church, is still going to be protected. But when you raise the issue of religious employers, that's the battleground. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we won some cases at the Supreme Court recently where the court has said that religious employers did not have to, now these are Catholic school cases, where religious employers could fire teachers um, because because they were, um, they had a, an essentially religious role. And in the law, that's called the ministerial exception. Mm. However, remember that how broad or narrow that ministerial exception is depends on the judges who are sitting on the bench. Mm. And those people don't have necessarily the sensibility that, say, your local pastor has at your local parish. So when it comes to all kinds of jobs at a Catholic school or at Catholic relief services or in any ministry that any Christian organization is running, um, they could, yes, they could be sued, and they could be forced to hire uh, transgender people. They could, it, they, they could be forced to comply with this law if the courts say, well, that's not really a ministerial role. Mm. What about homilies? Could a priest preach against uh, gender ideologies in, uh, that are pervasive in our society and the ill effects they have uh, by way of depression, increased suicides, and all the rest on the people who struggle with these things? Would they be considered hate, a hate speech? Well, right now we still have freedom of speech in the United States, uh, even outside the church. In terms of uh, priests preaching homilies, anybody speak, speaking on those issues, especially inside the four walls of the church, they're going to be fine. Now, this is we're, you and I are just talking about the legal ramifications. We already know there are incredible social pressures out there and employment problems with people who speak out and get fired, with people who make postings on Facebook and get fired just for saying, for example, uh, men and women are determined at birth according to their biological sex. But in terms of a priest giving a homily, they're going to be fine. The problem is when that priest, you know, walks outside the church and walks into the school next door that he's responsible for Mm. and is looking at hiring decisions for people other than teachers. Wow. 
So what can we do about this? We have about two and a half minutes left. The Equality Act passed the House, from my understanding, and is in the Senate at this point. What can we do? Is there anything we can still do to try to prevent this thing from becoming law? Yes, listeners should contact both of their senators. Every state in the United States has two senators, as you know. Um, listeners should contact both of their senators and should just demand that the, that the Equality Act be voted down. An important feature of the Equality Act, and this shows you where it really is malicious, Joe. Back in 1993, Congress overwhelmingly passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Now, it was called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RIFRA, because the court had handed down a decision in 1990 that watered down protections for religious organizations and religious people. In that decision, the court said that if there's a law that just generally applies to everybody and it's neutral and it doesn't aim specifically at religion, then religious people don't get a protection. They have to follow that law. Congress passed RIFRA in 1993 overwhelmingly. Bill Clinton signed it, Democrat president. The Equality Act, to give you an idea of how malicious this act is and its supporters are, it explicitly says that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is not a defense for any claims or lawsuits or legal actions that are brought under the Equality Act. Mm. No religious exemptions at all. So what they want to do, Joe, is they want to confine believers to the four walls of the church. They want to allow us to have freedom of worship. They don't want us to have freedom of religion. And I encourage everybody to look in the First Amendment. It talks about freedom of religion. Wow. It doesn't talk about just freedom of worship. All right. Brent Haynes, uh, Catholic speaker, attorney, and uh, an incredible political analyst. What's your email in case people want to reach out to you? Brent Haynes at Outlook.com, B-R-E-N-T-H-A-Y-N-E-S, at Outlook.com, an N in Brent and an N in, a- in Haynes. And just put something in the subject lines, like GRN or Catholic. Praise be to God. Thank you, Brent. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back with breaking news and our guest, Kim Zimber. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Good morning and welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, March 4th, and these are your headlines for today. A recent health study found that American children are now 10 times more likely to die from suicide than from the coronavirus. 
the FAIR health study called The Impact of COVID-19 on Pediatric Mental Health, reported that among children, insurance claims for intentional self-harm were up 90% in March of 2020 compared to the previous year, and claims for medical help related to drug overdoses rose to 119% in April of 2020. For the age group 13 to 18 in 2020, insurance claims for generalized anxiety disorder increased 93%, major depressive disorder claims increased 83%, and adjustment disorder claims increased by 89%. Study demonstrates the negative effect that the pandemic has had on young people. The head of the independent commission said that there would be at least there could be at least 10,000 victims of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church in France since 1950. Jean-Marc Sauvé, president of the Independent Commission of Sexual Abuse in the Church, said that the body's previous suggestion of 3,000 victims was a vast underestimate. CIASE, set up by the Catholic Church in France in 2018, said its investigation has so far received 6,500 testimonies concerning at least 3,000 individual victims. 30% of the victims who contacted the commission are over 70 years old, and 50% are between 50 and 69 years old. The final report in France is due to be released in early fall of 2021. The nation of Indonesia will begin imposing fines on their citizens who refuse the COVID-19 vaccine. The president of Indonesia decreed last month that steep financial penalties could be imposed on citizens who do not comply with mandatory vaccination drives for the COVID-19 vaccine, including fines and the removal of social welfare benefits. Indonesia's health ministry reported that 65% of Indonesians are willing to have a vaccine, with just 8% admitting that they would outright refuse it. Usman Hamid, a director of Amnesty International Indonesia, criticized the Indonesian government for imposing a blanket mandate on vac vaccination, especially one that includes criminal penalties, calling it a clear violation of human rights. And Pope Francis's prayer intention for the month of March is for a renewed experience of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. In his video for the prayer intention created by the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, the Holy Father asked for prayers that the Sacrament of Reconciliation would be experienced with renewed depth to taste the forgiveness and infinite mercy of God. The Holy Father, who has often encouraged the Sacrament of Penance, added, quote, Don't be afraid of confession. When someone is in line for confession, he feels all these things, even shame. But then when he finishes confessing, he leaves feeling free, great, beautiful, forgiven, clean, and happy. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date on the news. Uh, you know, yesterday, I finally, uh, where are we, three, four months into the show already, and I finally posted the rules and uh, how the game is played for our tri Catholic Trivia Game Show, which we always play in the second hour of our program. Uh, but I finally posted all that on our website, so if you need to know how the game is played and you want to know the phone number, all of that, I finally listed them on our website so you can get to that information. And you can also see all of the sponsors who have generously underwritten all of our prizes up to this point. And there's been some incredible organizations that have given us uh, wonderful gifts to give away to you, our dear listeners. And you can find all of that and go to their visit their websites if you're so inclined at grnonline.com forward slash cdt for Catholic Drive Time. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. 
So uh, praise be to God, and I would encourage you to check that out. Again, I want to thank everybody who's sharing our content this morning on Facebook and as well as on YouTube. Sharing is caring to us, so we're very grateful to you. All right, joining us right now by Zoom chat all the way from sunny California, 4.30 in the morning there. I'm not sure how sunny it is, but uh, we have Kim Zimber on. She has written a book called Restless Heart my struggle with life and sexuality. So if you have anybody in your life who is struggling with same-sex attraction, this could be the greatest conversation that you could share with them in a, in a while now. But we're very grateful to have Kim on with us. Good morning to you, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's not so sunny yet. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's very soon. Well, uh, thank you for getting up early and hanging out with us this morning. Uh, this book is published by Sophia Institute Press. We will, of course, link to it. But maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit about your background story. How did, how did same-sex attraction become an issue in your life, and uh, what did, how did God lead you through all of that? Yeah, you know, I'm not 100% sure how temptations come to certain people, right? Sure. Um, and, and so I can only speak for myself. You know, I did not have any abuse in my life. Grew up in a super strong Catholic family that was um, like radically in love with the Lord. So this wasn't just like scrupulous, you know, check the box, go to church on Sunday kind of thing. Um, so I really don't know, looking back um, on my upbringing and everything, how same-sex attraction really came into my life um, as a temptation. All I know is it did, mm. um, and it was real. And uh, it was my senior year in high school when I first uh, acted on those desires. And it, um, it is something that even, even to this day, um, I do still struggle with. Um, it is not a struggle like it used to be. There's been so much, and, it, and it's laid out in the book, um, that I've been through and put myself through. These are a lot of choices that I made. See, no matter what we're tempted with, we still have a choice whether or not we act on it. Amen. Right? And so, you know, I, if this is something that I was, quote unquote, born with, right, um, that doesn't give me the right to just act on it, right? Uh, whether that be same-sex attraction, whether that be anger, whether that be pride, um, we still have our free will choice of what we what we give into uh, and what we act on. And so it's been a journey. It will continue to be a journey. Um, but I think it's super important to note, too, that, um, you know, when we're tempted with something, it doesn't mean just suppress it and pretend like it's not there, right? No, that that's not dealing with temptation. Um, really what the offer is, is the Lord is is always extending his power, his strength to overcome any temptation we face. Right? You know, so this is an excellent point. This is an excellent point. I wrote a, a book on overcoming pornography addiction back in 2014, mm -hmm. and uh, too many heterosexual males that I've run into somehow thought in their mind that they have this inclination, this temptation, this this desire, and they have to serve that desire no matter what, as if they're out. They have no control over their their passions, right? And uh, you have to help them understand. No, you, you, we all have temptations. We all have this struggle. Uh, it's what we're supposed to do in that moment. That makes and, and breaks us. So uh, same sex or heterosexual, the temptation Absolutely. functions the same. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the issue. You know, today we're, we're categorizing things and say, well, that's different. This you just give into. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why is one of the, you know, the gifts of the spirit, fruit of the spirit, self-control? You mm. know, there, we have to have the Lord see, but I think so many times we try to control it ourselves. And, and that's not what the Lord is asking of us. Paul would boast in his weakness for there God was manifest strong, right? And so it's, it, can we come in humility 
to the Lord and say, you know what, I struggled. This is my struggle, X, Y, or Z, or X, Y, and Z, <laughs> right? Because there's, there's not just one thing we struggle with. And so for me, it's been years and years of, of learning this and receiving the invitation the Lord um, has has so graciously always granted me, but it it finally took, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard the saying, but you know, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, Amen. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I got to that point, um, and I, I just surrendered. And, you know, and this is where I've, I have found true freedom in surrender to Christ. Praise right? God. With whatever I struggle with. This is not just on sexuality, y'all. Right. Now, now Kim, you mentioned that you had priests in your life who sort of encouraged this uh, lifestyle of same, giving in to same-sex attraction. Now, when you um, began to act out on your SSA, did you find that the church was uh, ostracizing, or did you find it that it was a place of refuge? And how did you sort of find your place in the church? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I want to be careful of how I answer that, because, you know, I, I did have priests. I was going to, you know, a Catholic counselor as well as two priests, um, to kind of navigate through my desires and and what to do with this. And I wouldn't say they were supportive in the sense of like, hurrah, hurrah, go for it. But it, on the same token, they were not telling me the truth of this is sinful, Kim, and the Lord has better plans for you. So, you know, if kind of not standing on one side or the other, and that is really confusing as as a, you know, young adult, you know, that's trying to figure out what to do with their desires. And so for me, it was it was really confusing because then it, it now made me question the word of God because they're saying, oh, so long as you're monogamous with this woman, it'll be fine. You're okay. Love is love. So a lot of the kind of phrases that you hear in society, I was hearing from priests. And um, that is not why I went to a priest. I didn't want to hear the world through the priest's voice. I wanted to hear the truth mm. <laughs> and the truth of Christ and so and the teachings of the church and then how to live and walk those out. Um, I have found um, that, you know, and I, I don't blame those priests. I Look, everybody's going to be accountable for, for what we share. So that that is between them and the Lord. And I, I pray that they are brought to the truth of Jesus Christ and that we never veer on that um, because compassion separated from the truth of Christ is a false compassion. And so um, for me, you know, I'm still figuring my place uh, within the church, um, but I know that my place is always going to be a part of holding his truth and his love always together, right? Um, that not separating those. And so I pray that, you know, in the, in the church, not only here in my home parish, but also, you know, as the large church that I can be a voice of an echo of Christ's voice, of his compassion and love for us. But that doesn't mean, just because he's compassionate and loving towards us, doesn't mean he loves everything that we do. All right, hold hold that thought. Sorry, Kim, uh, you've now joined the list of uh, incredible, important people on planet Earth that I've cut off uh, because we're about to go to break. So you're going to have to hold that thought, Kim. We'll be right back after the short break with Kim Zimmer. We're talking about her life and her work, Restless Heart, A Life and Sexuality. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. St. Benedict sees patience as a way we really participate in the sufferings of Christ. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Patience is an important virtue in the life of a Benedictine monk. In the rule of St. Benedict, he asks us to bear each other's infirmities. Not only infirmities that take the form of physical illness, which is easy to understand, but those infirmities that are psychological and spiritual, too. St. Benedict also asks us to put up with the weaknesses we all have. Whether it's my abbey or your family, 
There are many opportunities for patients when living with others in community. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. What a difference it would make if we bore the weaknesses of others with patience and saw them as invitations to immerse ourselves in the love with which Christ bore his sufferings. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish. And we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. We're having a conversation with Kim Zimber. She's got a book out called Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. We're linking to it on our social feeds. Uh, Kim, welcome back to the show. Kim, uh, I want to ask you, I I cut you off there. You're welcome to finish your point, but I do have some follow-up questions that I would love to dive into in this next segment. Number one is... Can you give us an understanding? I, a heterosexual male, never struggle with same-sex attraction. What are the struggles that people with same-sex attraction who are trying to live chaste, trying to live uh, live the, the, the faith, what are their struggles and how should I be thinking of them and relating to them in that struggle? And then number two, what would you say to parents who have children, whether teens or, or young adults, who are living a same-sex attracted life, but living the life, not trying to live the faith, well, or, or vice versa, I guess. But Kim Zimmer, what would you say to those? Yeah, I think, you know, I of course can't speak for everybody with same-sex attraction, but I know for myself and for many that reach out to me, one of the biggest struggles um, is the battle of fear of being alone, right? Um, see, for people with um, opposite sex attraction, uh, you can practice chastity but not maybe your whole life, right? Um, or you'll have a partner, then you practice chastity under the you know veil of marriage, um, but you still have a partner in life. Um, see, everything, at least for me, is not about sex, um, but who's my partner in life, right? Um, who, who am I going to journey through this, this life with? And um, I've heard many people say, you know, Jesus is enough. I remember even, you know, growing up, my mom was like, yeah, Jesus is enough. I'm like, well, then why are you married to dad? You know, and, and I don't mean that rude, but it was true. It's like, yeah, okay, Jesus is enough, but but why is everybody in this world married? You yeah. know, and, and does that mean now, you know, that I'm supposed to be a nun? And that was almost more terrifying than being alone, oh, right? Oh, so, no. you know, but it does. It's like, well, what does it look like? What does life look like for us then? And and so I know that's something that, you know, by the grace and mercy of God, I'm realizing and he is showing me so beautifully that he is enough. Um, but I know that is something a lot of people struggle with. You know, we've got to remember that the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. The opposite of homosexuality is not me going out and now marrying a man. It's actually holiness because the opposite of every sin is holiness. And so I am called to a life of holiness. What that looks like, only my creator knows. And that's why intimacy with him is most important. Um, so I don't know if that is for all you know, everybody, but I know that Mm. is uh, a struggle for me, is just trusting that the Lord is enough for me. So if we encounter people who Mm -hmm. are struggling with same-sex attraction, 
And they're struggling because they they don't want to live in a, a life of sin. They want to live in a state of grace. They want to be, uh, you know, faithful to to God and to his uh, to his church to his teaching. But they're still struggling with same sex attraction. What do we? How do we inter- interact with them? How do we engage them? How do we think of them? Yeah, I think really we have to ask the Lord for compassion. Like, Lord, can we? You know, can you? I was just listening to the commercial break. Can we bear each other's burdens without it becoming a weight on our shoulders, though? But like. Can you just for a moment imagine, even as a married man or a married woman, can you imagine what it'd be like to never, to not be able to be with the person that you met and that you've married and, and, and the, you know, the pain that can come with that. Um, well, yeah, but that's opposite sex. I understand. But, but this person that you're, you're looking at may never have a partner in life. And could you just imagine for yourself how that might feel? Right. Um, And so I think when we can put ourselves, even though I can't walk in someone else's shoes, can we ask the Lord to help us to have compassion? Now, that does not mean we justify sin. Mm. Absolutely not. Right. But compassion doesn't mean justifying sin. We can stand in that truth of what Jesus has laid out for us, the very truth Jesus died for without losing compassion for someone. And so I think really it is, um, it's opening our heart to, to try to understand we should listen more than we talk, right? What does the Bible say? Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, so asking, hey, what can I pray for you for? What do you struggle with the most, you know? And, and then pray into that for them, be there for them um, and encourage them that uh, you don't know what it's like you know, with, with possibly their future, but that God would never set up a future for them that would harm them, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, mm. that all things are for good of those who love him and, and that he's plans and purposes that are for their benefit, for our benefit, not to harm us. And so I, I, that, that would be my suggestion. I think you bring up an excellent point about loving the sinner and rejecting the sin. That's a hard thing, though. For most of us, oh. for honest, for the, for honest about ourselves and our approach to the sins of our neighbors. <laughs> I'm yeah. think, okay, I'm thinking about myself here. Then it's hard for me to separate those things. Now I know, generally speaking, we fall into one of two camps. We either we either throw sin out with you know the the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. We, in other words, we accept everybody however they want to do it, and we think everything is just fine. Or we kind of go the opposite direction, where we're fine. We're on one of the other extremes there. But how does one practically live in the middle? Yeah, you know, I've I've said this many times on many interviews and and just in life is I think so often we treat Jesus like uh, a hippie. He's like, oh, <laughs> peace and love, bro. Everything's all good, you know. <laughs> or we treat him like Hitler. And he's, yeah. you know, this, this just Nazi angry, you're done, you're going to die. And, and that's not Jesus Christ in the Bible, right? And so I think to, we, we have to be steeped in his word, truly. I mean, because when we read the word of God, we, we start to take on the nature of God, right? And, and his compassion and his love and his truth. We can love people and not love what they do. See, I have a hard time with the love the sinner, hate the sin, only because it's now calling me by my sinful nature, which I know already is true. Mm. But it, we hear that so much. And it's like, that is so just, it kind of puts people down. I, I think we're all aware of our sins, or I pray we are, but to love the person and not love what they do, right? And I think when we look from that is now we're wondering, okay, how do we love, right? How do we love? And we have to go back to the Lord because he showed us on Calvary Hill how to love and it's selfless. It gives to the other person. It's loving someone. I think John Paul II said uh, to love someone is to desire heaven for them. 
So really, are we looking, if we don't want to throw out, you know, we shouldn't throw out the truth uh, with the quote unquote love we're trying to show someone. So if we are truly desiring heaven for someone, then we're going to stick to what the Lord says, that they're, we're, we're looking for eternity for them, right? Not just their smile on their face, but we care for their soul. Now, Kim, um, you, you have an incredible story. You've started two uh, ministries, organizations, Unforgotten Faces and Overcome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those ministries? And do you think that those came out of your same-sex attraction and attempting to serve the church in some way? Uh, for sure, Overcome um, did. That is, you know, just an outlet for, for people who are struggling. Um, maybe people who say they're not struggling, but they have same-sex attraction and they don't know how to reconcile their their faith in God. Uh, with their desires. Um, all that I have offered to be is someone who might be able to share their own experience. Um, and so, yeah, if that's a way that um, people can reconnect with, with Jesus, you know, and, um, and live for him and not just for ourselves, then amen to that. Uh, Unforgotten Faces started when I was 23. That's the mis- mission in Ethiopia, serving widows and orphans. Um, I think that was birthed out of um, actually a desire to live for more than myself. You know, that was, I mean, that's kind of in the book how that came to be um, and and is still a ministry um, thriving in Ethiopia. Um, And so, yeah, I I think all that I do honestly has been this, this search for the Lord, you know, and, and search for purpose. Um, And now what I'm realizing is actually my purpose is not in a ministry. My purpose is in whose I am right? And that is just me growing and the Lord just so graciously growing me in my true identity, which is a child of God, um, and that He is my ultimate goal, not the work of Him. Because y'all, very quickly, I can get caught up in ministry and make ministry my God too. And He's not happy with that either, (laughs) Mm. because He says, put nothing and no one before me. And so I think that's a constant check of the heart, you know, especially even during this time in Lent. So... Now, for some of our listeners who maybe are facing same-sex attraction in their own life, um, Kim, what are some practical things that people can do, Catholics, who have same-sex attraction to overcome this temptation and to live with it? One, first and foremost, do not hide. Do not hide. Do not pretend. Bring this to the surface, right? The Lord reveals to heal. And so, you know, his word says, bring the things into his light, Right. And so in that, I think it's so important that you you know that it's okay to be honest with your struggles, to be honest with what you're feeling. Now, just because it's a feeling, does that mean we give into it? I think we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, like the word says. And so whatever that is you struggle with, but I think it's very important not to hide, to reach out to someone uh, who has a strong faith, who has a strong love for your soul and talk to them. Courage International um, is, is a great uh, apostolate that, that is there to, to journey with you. Um, I think second is return to the Lord. So often in our sin, we run from him and he's like, and we think we have to get cleaned up before we get back to him. He's like, I actually shed my blood to purify you, to clean you. Right. And so to run to the Lord, this is, this is something Paul would say that he had a thorn in his side, but it was always to remind him how God is capable of all things, right? And so this very thing you struggle with, the very thing I struggle with, can actually be the very thing that brings you closer to the Lord. But are you going to give it to him? I prayed all my life that God would take it. And it only started to change when I gave it to him. We have a God who, yes, gives and takes away, but true love is giving and receiving. 
And when I gave God my desires and I continue to, all those desires that do not line up with him, he has been so gracious and so powerful over all of them. And so, um, like I said, number one, don't hide. Be real with someone who is loving, who loves the Lord, who loves your soul, um, and who will listen and try to journey with you. And two, run back to Jesus. Number one, get close with him, get in his word, start talking to him again, listen to him. He has nothing but compassion and beauty for you. And he loves you. He cannot love you any less, no matter your desires, no matter what. Your desires do not change the heart of God. God doesn't love you more because you're doing X, Y, or Z. He loves you because he created you and he wants you. He wants you for eternity. And so we really need his help. You need to realize this is not something you can manage on your own. This is not about managing addictions. This is about surrendering whatever it is Amen. to Jesus. Amen. And let it be Jesus. All right. Praise be to God. Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality is uh, the book we've been discussing. Kim Zember is our guest. And you can find that book over at Sophia Institute Press. Again, we will link to it on our social streams today. Kim Zember, thank you for your time today and thank you for your witness. Absolutely. My honor. All right. God love you. God bless you. And uh, have a great day. That's going to do it, dear audience, for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. It's been incredible. We'll post the uh, the video for that later. But join us in the second hour on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, if you can, or across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We have the game show coming up and prizes are involved. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Don, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest rather than going directly to God? Because that's the way God set things up for us to receive His forgiveness. In James 5.16, God, through sacred scripture, commands us to confess our sins to one another. Scripture does not say confess your sins straight to God and only to God. It says confess your sins to one another. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus tells us that He was given authority on earth to forgive sins. And then scripture proceeds to tell us in verse 8 that this authority was given to men, plural. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, we just saw in Matthew 9 that the Father sent Jesus with the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now Jesus sends out his disciples as the Father has sent him. So what authority must Jesus be sending his disciples out with? The authority on earth to forgive sins. And listen to the next two verses. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus give the apostles the power to forgive or retain sins if he wasn't expecting folks to confess their sins to them? That's crazy. And how could they forgive or retain sins if no one was confessing their sins to them? The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. It also tells us that God gave men the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sends out his disciples with the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Catholics confess our sins to a priest, we are simply following the plan laid down by Jesus Christ. He forgives sins through the priest. It is God's power, but he exercises that power through the ministry of the priest. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Radio for your soul. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. I can see the uh, sunrise coming up through the window over there. By the grace of God, I love a good sunrise. It always, I always feel better when I see a sunrise or a sunset. It always just the awe of God. It's hard to deny. We're going to have a great show this hour. We just finished wrapping up a great conversation with um, Kim Zimber about her book, Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality. Great conversation about same-sex attraction. We're going to post that conversation on our YouTube and Rumble channel later. We're asking that uh, you make sure you watch it, make sure you share it, make sure you like it. That really helps us on those platforms because the, uh, let's just say the algorithm blues is a real thing. Uh, Speaking of which, I want to thank Roxanne and Sean, St. Dominic Media and Patty and Lori for all sharing our content. There was like 19 shares of our Facebook feed today. So thank you for that. We're very grateful to you for sharing the video today. And if you're on YouTube, please do smash the share, smash the like. It really helps. And if you're listening on radio today, you know what? Make sure that you download the mobile app. It's super important to stay connected to this radio apostolate. You can find the Guadalupe Radio Network app in your iOS or Android store. Just search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's it's free. It's uh, easy to download. You can listen to your local GRN station, find the podcast of this show today, and so much more. And soon, you'll be able to watch the live video in the app itself for our show. So all of that's still coming. Um, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. That was such a beautiful interview with Kim. I'm so glad that we have someone like her who is doing that ministry and really being so proactive. Amen. Yeah, praise God. And she got up early. I'm, I'm very inspired <laughs> by, uh, by Californians who decide to, they want to be a part of the show, they get up early. Praise yeah, that's God. how you know they're legit. They're committed. That's legit. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of legit, Adrian Fonseca is our producer this morning. Good morning to you. The most legit. I am the most legit. <laughs> Later, I'll have to read uh, Jesus' comments earlier. I mean, it was just it was such a beautiful comment. And inspired. He started very early on today in the show by giving you praises. <laughs> Amazing. It was a long litany of praises for St. Adrian, I believe he said. And yes. then the very last mm-hmm. thing he mentioned was... Was Joe right? Exactly. So it reminds <laughs> me of Peter and Judas. Always Peter's always first. <laughs> Judas is always last. Somehow I've made the list in the last place. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing to note for everybody is uh, the interview from last hour. If you did not get to hear it, uh, check it out on the Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel, the Facebook uh, Catholic Drive Time Facebook page, and on uh, Rumble Catholic Drive Time Rumble page. We'll be posting the inner in- the interview we had with uh, Kim uh, there later today. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Seeing some great comments come through 
on uh, YouTube right now. We'll be conversating about all of the comments in our after show later this hour. So if you want to stick around, you get to drive that conversation uh, via Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Just hanging out there. You can comment, and we'll be able to read those to you later. But let's begin with prayer, and then we'll dive into the breaking news of the day. We'll also do Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and then our Catholic Trivia Game Show is coming up, and prizes are involved. So let's pray for your intentions, dear listener, wherever you are today, whatever's on your agenda today. We're going to pray and ask Our Lady to intercede on your behalf. We're going to include our own intentions here at the Guadalupe Radio Network as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The U.S. bishops have echoed the Vatican in stating that it is morally acceptable to receive COVID-19 vaccines produced using cell lines from aborted fetuses when no alternative is available. But if possible, Catholics ought to choose a vaccine with a more remote connection to abortion. That description applies to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which used abortion-derived HEK-293 cell lines in design and development, production, and lab testing. While not prohibiting Catholics from receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine if no other ethical alternative is available, the Archdiocese advised Catholics to seek out the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines if possible. The Tennessee State Senate on Monday passed a bill that could prevent transgender students from participating in middle school and high school sports outside of their biological gender. SB 0228, which was filed by Republican Senators Joey Hensley and Scott Sepicki, will now be considered by the House, but a date has yet to be set. The bill requires that a student's gender for purposes of middle school or high school interscholastic athletic activity or, ev- or events be determined by the student's sex at the time of the student's birth, as indicated on the student's original birth certificate. Kansas and Georgia are also attempting to pass similar bills. Opponents of such bills deny that there exists unfair physical male advantages with the use of puberty blockers, believing that hormone treatments should even the playing field for males and females. Iraqi Christians and Muslims alike have expressed excitement for Pope Francis' upcoming trip to Iraq. David Bernocchi, Catholic Relief Service's country representative for Iraq, said, This country has been at the center of attention for bad news for so many years, unfortunately, and now they are really happy to be the center of the world's attention for a few days because of this great and positive event. Large banners depicting Pope Francis alongside Ali al-Sistani, an influential Shiite cleric in Iraq, have been hung in Najaf, one of the most sacred pilgrimage sites in Shiite Islam, after only Mecca and Medina. Pope Francis' visit comes as the country's security situation remains unstable. On March 3rd, two days before the Pope's departure, 10 rockets hit Ain al-Assad military airport in western Iraq, which hosts U.S.-led coalition troops, killing one U.S. contractor. And for the second time, the Shroud of Turin will be exposed for veneration on social media and websites on Holy Saturday, the Archbishop of Turin has announced. The shroud, which bears the image of a crucified man and has been venerated for centuries as Christ's burial cloth, will be displayed via live stream on April 3rd. 
The shroud has gone on public display four times since the year 2000. The last time it was presented to the public was in 2015. Pope Francis prayed before the relic during a visit to Turin on June 21st of that year. Afterward, he described it as an icon of Christ's love, saying, quote, The shroud attracts people to the face and tortured body of Jesus, and at the same time urges us on toward every person who is suffering and unjustly persecuted. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Adrian of Nicomedia, pray for us. St. Adrian was born in the late 3rd century, east of uh, Constantinople, which is now known as Istanbul. He was a pagan, an officer and bodyguard at the imperial court of Nicomedia, but Adrian was so impressed by the strength and the faith shown by persecuted Christians that he declared himself to be a Christian. And it uh, didn't last very long because he was immediately arrested and he was tortured himself. He had not been yet baptized, but he stood firmly in his resolution. Well, his wife would come to uh, care for him and the others that were tortured for their Christian faith. Her name was Saint Natalia, but he would be executed. In fact, they threw him to a lion, but the lion refused to touch him. So instead, they broke his legs and they dismembered him with a sword and burned his body. But by the grace of God, a storm extinguished the flames just in time for his wife to secure at least some part of his relics, which are, I guess, uh, available today even. He dies in 304. It was March 4th, 304. St. Adrian of Nicomedia, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering in torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours, or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, Send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Neither will they listen. Yikes. That's a pretty uh, compelling statement, is it not? Neither will they listen. Do we listen? How, how hard are our hearts? That's the, what's on my mind today when I go over this passage. Um, you know, what's fascinating is this is a parable. But unlike all the other parables, there's very specific details in this that don't exist in the other parables. For instance, uh, the detail of Lazarus being named precisely. This is a person who uh, dies and there's a conversation over him possibly being resurrected from the dead to warn the living. And yet in real life, Lazarus does die. He's dead four days in the tomb when Jesus finally comes. And uh, the sister is like, where have you been? You were supposed to come. Remember that in John's gospel? And he cries. Our Lord weeps. And then after four days, after the stench comes barreling out of the tomb, Lazarus does as well, rising from the dead. And it's, in, in fact, we read right after that passage that the, uh, the, the authorities, the scribes, the Pharisees, they, they wanted to kill them all the more. So there was a renewed vigor for the calling of the, uh, of the death of Jesus and now Lazarus as well. So this parable that names this person, particularly Lazarus, I think is very, very fascinating. We should pay very close attention, of course. The purple, right? That purple clothes, that uh, the linens, the fine linens, the purple uh, garments that the rich man enjoys, this would signify something uh, with authority, like a king or something like that. And so we see this contrast between these two people. Now, we don't know that this person committed any sins other than just being simply callous to the needs of his neighbor and getting his just uh, reward in the torments of the fire, fl- fiery flame. Now, this is Hades, Sheol. This is a place where in the Old Testament, the dead would go to await the judgment. The righteous to, it would go on to heaven and the damned to hell. So we see this fascinating exchange here. But look at the hardness of the rich man's heart, even in the fiery flames. Send Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool my tongue. I mean, even in the torments, he still thinks Lazarus exists to to serve his needs. It's insane. Or go save my brothers, lest they don't come here. I mean, it's a good thing to wish and desire to intercede on behalf of the living that they may have a conversion of heart before it's too late for them. I think that's telling, is it not? That these souls recognize that there is a need to intercede for the living. And maybe, maybe just maybe, while we have yet breath in our lungs and opportunity and time on the clock, maybe, just maybe, we ought to uh, intercede and, and change our lives and care for those that are in need in our midst. It starts at home and it goes outward from there. And this Lent, we have a wonderful opportunity. So maybe a service project this link could be in order. Who knows? Pray about it. What can we do for those in need? That's the question. All right. We're just about out of time. So what we'll do is in the after show, uh, I'll have uh, Adrian uh, deep dive on, on this gospel as well. So stick around for that. But coming up next is our Fear and Trembling game show. Three more opportunities to get into the coffee cup of divine providence. By the way, we have a brand new shiny coffee cup on the table here to put your names into. So if you would like an opportunity to win this week's prize pack, now is the time. Three questions, three Catholic trivia questions, and you don't even need to know the answers because you always have a 50-50 shot. That's coming up right after this break. Catholic Drive Time will be right back. 
Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you, and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Tribbling, our Catholic trivia game show where we have uh, a secret and hidden agenda. So please don't share this with anybody. Uh, but we want to uh, secretly teach a little bit about the faith. So prayerfully, you'll learn something new today that you didn't know before. We like to have a laugh in the process and give some people some incredible prizes. By the way, you can find the rules of the game and the generous sponsors of our prizes all listed on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But here's the kicker. If you're new to the show and you're wondering what in the world is all of this, it's a Catholic tribute game show. I have three Catholic trivia questions in my hand, but I do not ask the caller the question. Mm -mm. I ask Emily. I ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. The other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. So this week's sponsor of our game show prize is giftsbybeth.com. 
So Beth is one of our listeners, and she makes beautiful handcrafted rosaries and jewelry. So she makes bracelets, necklaces, and earrings. These would make a great confirmation gift um, if you're looking to buy someone a, a good Catholic gift. She's giving away this week an Our Lady of Grace rosary. It's absolutely beautiful. All right. Praise be to God. And if you've been trying to call in, I see some calls on the line here. Thank you for being a part of our program. We're very grateful. We love it when you call in, but we always take the first caller. So if you don't get in today, try again tomorrow or next week we'll have a new prize a new opportunity but let's go to the phones myra good morning to you welcome to the show good morning praise be to god you made it myra i know you've been I trying for like it. days i'm very <laughs> proud of you charm. determination you made it onto the program we're very very excited for you today to be on the game show now you typically listen via youtube is that right yeah, I, I sometimes switch from Facebook to YouTube. So. Oh, you bounce around. You shop. You shop Just around. Like I do. That's, <laughs> that's probably why you don't recognize me as your top fan on Facebook. Oh! <laughs> oh, man. You deserve it, Beth. I do. All right, Myra. Well, maybe we'll have to send you one of the coffee cups uh, as a top fan of the show. We're very grateful to you. Now, what, what parish do you go to, Myra? I go to St. Maximilian. St. Maximilian Kobe, beautiful parish. Mm-hmm. All right, so, yes, so you're a f- top fan of the show. You know how the rules work here. So you're very aware that you really can't trust Emily or Adrian because both will try to fool you. I am, I am. But I, however, am on your side. Just want you to know that right out of the gate. Are you ready, Myra? <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Emily, we'll start with you as okay. is our custom. Emily, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Are you sure? I'm ready. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me what is another name for Holy Thursday? What is Holy Thursday known otherwise as? Was there, that clear? Was that more confusing than the first round? There's another name for Holy Thursday? <laughs> there is another name for Holy Thursday, and what is it? That's the best way to ask that question. I really, I just have no idea. I have no clue. Maybe the Passover? The Passover. That's your answer? I think so. Are you sure? I know that's the Jewish name for it. Okay, (laughs) okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what is another name for Holy Thursday? Uh, Let's see. I am going to go with Monday Thursday. Not Monday Monday Thursday, but Monday Thursday. Monday Thursday. Because Monday Thursday would make no sense. (laughs) Okay, so Adrian is on the hook for Monday Thursday, and Emily is on the hook for Passion uh, the Jewish Passover. The Passover. The Passover. Yeah. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Myra, what say you? I think it's third, um, Adrian. Survey says... There we go. Oh, wow. You did it. Right, for, right out of the gate, you're already in the coffee cup of divine providence. How do you feel there, Myra? Good, good. Praise I'm be to God. Now, <laughs> Adrian, why do they call it <laughs> Monday? How do you say Mondi. it? Mondi. Mondi. I actually have no idea. <laughs> we got no clue. It's supposed to be a teachable moment. We, <laughs> weren't you listening to the commercial break? It <sighs> said, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Uh, so but I'll go. get back to you. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Well, all right, we'll circle back on it. Uh, I'll circle back. Brent Haynes, who's still in the studio, may have an answer to that, but we'll have to circle back. Uh, well, let's get to the questions first, and then we'll come back to it. All right. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Adrian, are you ready? Yes, sir. Here we go. Adrian, can you tell me how many books are contained in the New Testament. Oh, uh, I'm Catholic. I don't. I don't read the Bible. What? <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> Am I allowed to fire you live on the air? Uh, I'm just curious. I, I don't know if that's in my contract or not. Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna say 
Uh, 66. 66 books. 66 books. All right. Let's see what uh, Miss Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me how many books are in the New Testament? Well, we definitely had to memorize this in our theology classes, Adrian. So you don't remember. It's 27. I, is that? I think she's throwing shade at me. It's mo- uh, money well <laughs> on spent your birthday on week. Catholic no. education, apparently. All right. So Emily is on the hook for twenty-seven, and Adrian is on the hook for sixty-six. Who's right? Who's wrong? Myra, what say you? Emily. Survey says. Yes. Uh, where's my duh button? I'm just looking for the duh. Uh, duh. <laughs> Uh, Adrian, are your parents shaking their head right now listening to this? No, but my theology professor might be. (laughs) 66. Okay. Well, Myra was not fooled. Congratulations, Myra. Two times in the coffee cup of divine providence. Praise be to God for that. All right. Here we go. Third question. Uh, Let's see. This This one could be somewhat tricky. So let's listen very carefully, Myra. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Emily, back to you this time. Emily, can you tell me what is the Latin term for a solemn blessing given by the Pope in front of the chief basilicas on certain important occasions? Now, generally, I think one of the examples is, I think it's, is it Christmas Day or New Year's Day? He tends to do this. It's a very famous type of of a, of a blessing, a solemn blessing he gives. It's reported in the news almost every year. Uh, sounds like you're looking for something very specific. I'm not sure what it is, but okay. I, I do know that the Latin word for blessed is uh, benedictus, so I'm going to go with benedictus. Benedictus is your answer? Yeah. Okay. All right. Adrian, can you tell me what is the Latin term for a solemn blessing given by the Pope in front of the chief basilicas on certain important occasions. Could you make the, the question longer? I could. Uh, I could. <laughs> no, the, uh, that would be uh, the blessing given on Easter, Christmas, and on the uh, election of the Pope. Uh, so that is a ubi et orbi, uh, urbi et orbi blessing. Gesundheit. At you. Uh, no, okay, so your answer was urbi et orbi uh, Adrian is on the hook for Irby et Orby, and Emily is on the hook for Benedictus. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Myra, what say you? I think Adrian's right. Survey says. There you go. Three for three. Perfect wow. score, Myra. Wow, you did it. Yay. Praise be to God, you did it. Now, uh, Adrian, uh, turn on uh, Brent Haynes' microphone there. Now, Brent, real quick, we have about uh, a minute here. Why... Why is Holy Thursday also called Monday Thursday? Joe, that is a phrase that we use in the Anglican patrimony, and we use that in the ordinary to the chair of St. Peter, uh, the Catholic uh, part of the church I'm a member of. It comes from the Latin word mandatum. It comes from the Latin word for command, and it refers to Jesus' commandment on the night of the Last Supper when he says, I give you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. Wow. Praise be to God. Well, thanks for making up what my team has lacked. Wow. I appreciate, I appreciate well, that. for the, the Urbi et Orbi, uh, just for so people know, Urbi is the city in Latin, and Orbi is the world or the earth. And so it refers to a blessing for the city of Rome and, a, and for the entire world uh, coming from the Latin Omnibus uh, Omnem Orbis et Orbis Ecclesia Mater et Caput, which is the head of the mother of all churches of the city and of the earth. 
All right. So there you go. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Mr. Thomas on, on YouTube, uh, Myra, says that today's questions were very tricky. So he, oh. you must feel very proud of yourself, Myra, for getting them correct all three times. How do you they, feel? They were tricky, but I, I've gotten used to their response. <laughs> Is that right? Advantage of being a super so fan. You're <laughs> suggesting we have to mix things up to keep it fresh. I see where you're going with this, Myra. <laughs> all right. Well, we're very hint, grateful. Hint. Go ahead, Myra. I was just saying hint, hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> we hint that, yep. All right. Well, praise be to God. We're going to put you on hold so we make sure we capture your phone number in case it's God's will that you should be pulled out of the coffee cup of divine providence tomorrow here on the show. So we're very excited you finally made it onto the program. God love you, Myra. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Now, tomorrow morning, we have... In this hour, in the 7 o'clock Central Time Zone hour of Catholic Drive Time, we're going to have two major things to do. We're going to have to give somebody a Mercedes, so that's tomorrow, live across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We'll be doing that. And then it will also pull a name out of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to give out the prize, which is Gifts by Beth, an incredible listener of Catholic Drive Time Show. We're very grateful to her. Again, you can find not only the rules, how it works, also, all the, the links to all of our sponsors for the prizes, you can find all of that on our website at grnonline.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, or CDT, rather. So, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. In the after show, we're going to conversate about whatever you want to conversate about. Brent Haynes is still here, so we can talk about the Equality Act. Still, I, I got an email from Paul up in Buffalo, New York. We may bring that up as well. Plus, all of your comments on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. So if you're hanging out with us this morning on all three of those or any one of those live uh, video feeds, make sure to comment. Let us know where you're from so we can acknowledge you. Because you, my dear listener, get to drive the show in the after show. All that's coming up next. Tomorrow, we are going to speak with Father Benedict Keeley of the Nazarene. It's uh, an effort to help those in the Middle East. And we'll talk about Iraq. That'll be our guest tomorrow on Catholic Drive Time. So I hope you join us for that. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on Catholic Drive Time. Until then, God love you, God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow morning or in the after show here in a minute or two. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. All right, praise be to God. <laughs> Welcome to the after show of the Catholic Drive Time, where you, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation and where things go. We're very grateful to you. Um, uh, uh, my friend Brent Haynes, attorney, uh, political analyst, and Catholic speaker, is still in the studio. Brent, you can turn your mic on. Uh, but what we do here uh, is we, we go through all of our comments, and we just thank all of our listeners for hanging out with us this morning. We read our comments and, and whatnot. And... Um, I, there was a ton of comments this morning on the Facebook site as well, so lots to talk about there. Uh, we have we had like 20 shares of the video on Facebook. So I really wish I could see how many shares we're getting on the YouTube side. But uh, we're, we had a 
we had a really good audience this morning. Lots of good questions. Let me just bring this up real quick. Um, let's actually start with sharing some of the comments first, and then we'll, I want to dive into this question with, uh, with Brent on the Equality Act. So let's start uh, with some of the comments here. So over on, on the Facebook side, Sean, uh, which has uh, been hanging out with us now for a while on Catholic Drive Time. By the way, Sean, congratulations on your new role as the assistant GM in the South and Central Texas market of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to the team, Sean. Welcome, Sean. It Thanks. is great to have you on board, my friend. God love you. God bless you. Uh, Ro Rosentina Fernandez, thank you for sharing our video just now. We're very grateful to you over on the, uh, on the Facebook side. Praise be to God. I also see Christopher's been commenting back and forth. This morning, uh, praise be to God for that. Yes, Christopher did say Brent Haynes has an encyclopedic knowledge of our topic today. He's very good at his job. <laughs> yes, he is. Amen. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, Chris. I'm looking through some of these comments. Of course, Patty was on for our first hour. She doesn't get to hang out for the second hour because she goes to Holy Mass. Um, but Patty said, great show, guys. Emily, you always do a great job pronouncing all the unique names Notice Patty never never compliments me for pronouncing people's <laughs> names well. I wonder why, Patty. I wonder why. Um, it's because I don't know how to pronounce people's names well. That's why. Patty also said she did sign a petition and contacted her representatives and senators about the Equality Act. So. Oh, cool. Praise God for that. And she got responses from them. Looks like Christopher uh, really likes G.K. Chesterton. Yes, he does. That's unfortunate. That's just too bad. Uh, why? I'm teasing, of course. Because everybody is always, all the Catholics are always fawning over Chesterton. So at least one of us has to take a contrary position. <laughs> I mean, somebody has to be against Chesterton. Why not me? And people call me a contrarian. A contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I'm an eclectic contrarian. Uh, I, I, ch I pick and choose my contrariness very uh, interestingly. At any rate. What else? Uh, Did y'all read the uh, greatest comment of all time? The of greatest, course not. We should have. We're the, waiting for you. That should be the. We should have a special segment. The with the, like we should get our friend from uh, Mobile, Alabama, who voices our intro to the game show. Like do a, like a special. The greatest comment of all time. And I'll play that every time before I read Jesus's comments. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. I, I really I endorse this idea like, wholeheartedly. Over the top movie guy voice. Yes, exactly. In a He's world where comments are mundane, the greatest comment of all time. <laughs> exactly. I love it. <laughs> I, I think this is something that is necessary for the show to continue. Uh, we need an intro for reading Jesus's comments. <laughs> yes. So what, uh, did, what, did, what, did, what, what lauds did Jesus uh, put upon you today? Well, he one comment he made, he made two excellent comments today. So he said, huh, St. Adrian, Joe, how most appropriate. It's like a salutation to the awesomeness to the producer in town. I, I'm just saying. He's getting I, really creative. Oh. <laughs> All oh I'm my. saying is that's a pretty darn good uh, comment. I don't know what you pay that guy, but come now. At some point. It's, well, it's not cheap. Uh, this is actually most of my paycheck. Most of your paycheck. Uh, it goes to Jesus. No wonder you're probably working two jobs to be able to afford all this. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it's pretty difficult. I, <laughs> I work one job in order to uh, take care of you know the necessities and then another job to pay Jesus. <laughs> to sing your praises. Well, exactly. Uh, Monica, I see Monica hanging out with us on YouTube side. Angelo, of course, is over there. Praise be to God. Angelo uh, says, blessings on this luminous Thursday, brothers and sisters sisters in christ amen to that 
Of course, Myra was on YouTube this morning, but she was also our contestant. I'm so glad Myra got on. She she had tried for like days. It's making a beeping sound. Yeah, your 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 alarm's going off there, uh, Mr. Brent Haynes. That's funny. You know, fu- rabbit hole. Funny story. Once uh, years ago, I was interviewing somebody locally about a, a ministry locally, and his phone rang when he was live on the radio. And he answered it <laughs> live on the radio. And it was his wife. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on the radio. I have to call you back. And then he hung up. And then literally two minutes later, she called again. And he answered it again live on the radio. It's a fun fact. I see Jay Cabrera over there hanging out with us. Uh, Cabrera, forgive me. Jay Cabrera hanging out with us on YouTube side. Good morning to you. I see Mr. Thomas, our friend from Florida and Nicaragua. Praise be to God. Glad you're on with us again today. You know, he was asking some questions for Kim. We unfortunately weren't able to get to them. He wanted to know whether or not California or like liberal environments influenced her at all. But we unfortunately were not able to ask that question, Mr. Thomas. But, you know, I do believe that our surroundings, whether liberal or whatever, they do have influences over us. So I would be curious to see what she would have said about that. Angelo says, awesome interview. I love Reveal to Reveal to Heal. God bless you, Kim. Did y'all look at Jay Cabrera's question? Uh, not yet, but hold on. Okay. I, I'll just read this one first. It says, Susanna, uh, overall on YouTube as well. See, as soon as the show ends, my brain says, good night, click, and it goes off. So I have a hard time speaking. But Susanna says, I love everything your guest said. It can be applied to us all since we are all sinners. Amen. Love your show. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, that's a great comment. Thank you. Thanks, go, Susanna. Go ahead there, Adrian. Uh, let's see. He said the... Uh, Topic for the after show. Just found out about a movie called The Lady of Heaven. It is about an Iraqi boy that is told the Lady of Heaven. Her name is Fatima and is the daughter of Muhammad. Wow. Concerned that people will think the movie is about our blessed mother when it really is not Jennifer. Okay, so Jay Cabrera is Jennifer. Uh, howdy, Jennifer. Uh, so I think this is, a, this is actually a really good point to talk about because our Lady of Fatima is in a way named after the daughter of Muhammad. And now let me explain what I mean there. Uh, in Fatima, Portugal, a Catholic king of Spain came in to Portugal, and whenever he conquered Portugal, he uh, fell in love with a Mohammedan woman uh, named Fatima, who is named after the daughter of Muhammad, who is the favorite daughter of Muhammad. Um, and uh, also, coincidentally, one of the only women, the second woman, uh, second only to Our Lady herself, and that's mentioned in the Quran and praised in the Quran. And so this uh, woman, Fatima, ends up getting married to the king, the Catholic king of Spain. And whenever they have it, he, they names this city after uh, his daughter uh, or his wife, Fatima, who is now named after Muhammad's daughter, Fatima. Uh, so and whenever Our Lady of Fatima appeared in Portugal, in Fatima, Portugal, taking the name Our Lady of Fatima, uh, this symbolizes in a way that Our Lady of Fatima will conquer uh, Muhammadism or Islam, um, whatever you uh, whatever you prefer to refer to it as. And uh, so this is a very important point, and it's and a lot of people uh, recognize that Our Lady will be the one who converts 
the Islamic religion to the Catholic faith. Why is that? Because in the Quran, Our Lady is the person who is venerated mm. above everyone else in the Quran, above all other women. In fact, the way uh, Mohammedans pray when they put their head to the ground and they move back and forth, kind of like the Jewish people move back and forth standing up, they do it kneeling and their head against the floor. According to the Quran, that is the way that Our Lady prayed, and that's and they're imitating her in prayer. And so we see that the uh, the Mohammedan religion has a lot of love for Our Lady, and so it's very important uh, that we ask Our Lady to intercede for the Mohammedans. And we see in Islamic countries today, there are many Mohammedans who are having Our Lady appear to them, and they're converting on a mass scale that we should probably get someone on to talk to about, yeah. because yeah. it's pretty crazy. But many Muslims are converting to Catholicism by having Our Lady appear to them in yeah. a dream, which well, is actually confirmed by Thomas Aquinas, who talks about if people are never exposed to the Catholic faith, to no fault of their own, Our Lady and Our Lord will send an angel or they will come themselves to bring them to the true faith. Now, now you do, you, you're aware of all the, the massive amounts of conversions coming out of Islam because of dreams right now, right? Right. That's Yeah, there are, but it's mostly G, dreams of Jesus himself. That, that's calling them out of Islam. I mean, there are literally thousands and thousands of testimonies of dreams, of uh, Muslims having dreams and then leaving Islam and becoming Christian. The problem, though, is where do they land? What community can they land in? In some of these countries, uh, it's pretty... It's pretty difficult to be a Christian, obviously. Pakistan is a good example, Saudi Arabia, and many other places where it's hard to be a Christian. Father Benedict Keeley will be on tomorrow, and maybe he can talk about this as well. The other thing I was going to say, have you seen, Adrian, the videos of Our Lady appearing above the Coptic Cathedral in Egypt yes. and the massive crowds, Muslims mostly, that are gathering, that had gathered there? Yeah, that was incredible. And yeah. you can see they have literally photos of it, this figure above the church. It's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. So it's an excellent point. Our Lady has a strong influence upon uh, upon them, and uh, we pray for their conversion for sure. I wanted to mention S. Godfried on YouTube says, beautiful message from Kim, praying for her and all with same-sex attraction. Um, praise God. So uh, tons of great comments here. Uh, Valentine, good morning to you. Thank you for hanging out with us on the YouTube side. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to God. Uh, any other comments there? I know Joaquin was hanging out with us also on the other side of uh, YouTube or on Facebook, rather. Joaquin says, too legit to quit. Uh, is that something? Is he responding to something you said? Too, uh, too I legit? I actually don't know what the initial comment was for, but immediately triggered in my mind. Yeah. Uh, Jesse and Terry and Jesse's show where they start their show too, too anointed to be disappointed. <laughs> and if grace was money, I'd be a millionaire. Grace uh, is money. So. <laughs> Amen. And so I think that, that, that was funny. Uh, Jesus said, the greatness of the guest is a reflection of the good keen taste of the producer. The producer is like oh, a symphony director and the music is a reflection of his innermost. Oh. The show conforms to the producer. Now, now just to be fair, just to be it. fair, <laughs> Emily picked the guest for today, uh, so that was oh not my. me, but I will accept oh all the praise. My. I'm just heaping it on myself. It's, uh, my, it's the men, the check, your check, Jesus. Your check is in the mail. It'll get to you in a couple days. <laughs> Jesus, it's Lent, okay? You're supposed to abstain from this, uh, this level of ostentatiousness. All right. Ostentatiousness? Yeah, these ostentatious Ooh. comments. Uh, this is like, this is not in keeping with the... With the uh, Penitential practices of the holy season to 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 uh, laud such 
incredible comments upon our producer. Speaking of incredible comments, Valentine on YouTube said, good morning. So good morning to you, Valentine. Uh, Mr. Thomas said, the explanation about Fatima is awesome. Thank you. I did not know Fatima comes from the name of the daughter of Muhammad. Uh, Myra, Myra said, interesting. I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing your knowledge, Adrian. Angelo said, wow, theology class one. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. Love your knowledge. Praise be to God. Well, you now know, you this is a good day today. It's a good day today. Club. I like this day. Today's fun. You got to keep the same energy tomorrow when it's actually his birthday. (laughs) Yes, tomorrow is his birthday. Let's think of incredibly embarrassing things we can do. Uh, if we, Emily, do you know some of his family members we might call and have on the show to re, to reveal embarrassing facts? I do know his family members. Can you arrange that? Uh, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, uh, that would be super fun. Let's uh, not say we did. <laughs> okay, do you think right. they'd be on board? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's call. Let's call call them and find out. Let's just do it live on the air. All right. So. Um, Praise be to God. We're very grateful to everybody hanging out with us today in the comments. And please do continue to comment. We'll, we'll continue to give a shout out. But uh, we have uh, Attorney Brent Haynes here. And I want to mention a comment that I get by email during the show today from Paul, uh, listening on the Station of the Cross out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, praise be to God, Paul. We're, I'm always grateful for your, for your feedback. And he says, uh, the Equality Act, Ignite where to affect freedom of religion in any way that I would argue. The the construction, Paul, is hard for me, so I'm going to read it real quick and see if I can't boil this down. He's commenting on our segment today with Brent Haynes. He says says basically it's unconstitutional, and this kind of law omits religious freedom, and this would, would in effect, by omission of religious freedom, would be an establishing of a national religion. That's an interesting thought. Could this lead to something like an establishment of a national religion, one that would be a, apparently devoid of natural law, it would seem, um, by, omitting, by omitting religion of – freedom of religion, the act would establish a religion. Any thoughts there? I mean, the, the construction of his uh, comments, he's obviously probably typing this with his thumbs on, on the run here. But um, any thoughts there about how, how these dots might be linked together? Yes, uh, Paul gets to the heart of the matter, both on the legal and constitutional issue and as a practical matter on the, you know, the creation of a religion or an orthodoxy of belief. First, um, he is right uh, that this implicates our constitutional rights in terms of freedom of religion and our, especially our ability to exercise our religion. If the Equality Act becomes law, well, then by definition, all of these activities we've discussed and many, many more – are illegal. The only way to challenge a law is to go to court. To, to challenge this law would be to go to court and to claim that it violates the Constitution, yeah. specifically the First Amendment, where we have the free exercise, uh, where we have the free exercise clause. Um, also, it, it, it violates uh, the First Amendment, freedom of speech. We get into that. Um, the problem with going to court and saying that the law is unconstitutional mm. is, first of all, the Constitution is always your last defense as a lawyer. Courts try not to reach constitutional issues. They want to decide on other grounds, procedural grounds or on grounds based on other laws. But the real problem is, uh, as I mentioned during the show, there was a case from the Supreme Court in 1990. is the Employment Division of Oregon uh, versus uh, – Smith versus the Employment Division of Oregon – uh, and actually, Justice Antonin Scalia, our Catholic hero in the Supreme Court, authored the opinion, and that's where the Supreme Court said, look, if there's a law that's general and it's neutral and it applies to everybody and it doesn't target religion specifically, that law is good. And if it happens to hurt a particular religious practice, that's your problem. Wow. 
So in order to defeat laws that affect uh, religious exercise, you have to show that it not just affects religious exercise generally. You also have to say that it also affects another right. Now, historically, this is when uh, parents, for example, say, look, I also have a right not just to my religion, but a right to raise my children the way I want. Mm. And that is what happened when the nuns from Oregon back over 100 years ago or around 100 years ago sued uh, on behalf of Catholic schools when the Ku Klux Klan and others were trying to force everybody into public schools. Um, so it's very hard. You, want to say that you have to go to court. You have to say it's unconstitutional. You have to say it violates our religious freedom. And it also violates some other, other right. And that, that, that's a very high challenge. However, there is the current case at the U.S. Supreme Court involving Philadelphia's, uh, the Catholic Church's social service agency that provided uh, foster homes for children mm-hmm. that a lot of your listeners are aware of. And the issue has come up in that case of whether or not the conservatives on the U.S. Supreme Court might be willing to go back and modify or revoke that 1990 decision, which would strengthen religious liberty. Mm. But the bottom line is Paul is correct. We are, we, we, your backs are against the wall politically and legally yeah. when you only have the Constitution in your defense. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, he, he wants your email address again. Can you give him your email address again? It's my name, Brent Haynes at Outlook.com. There's an N in Brent and an N in Haynes, B-R-E-N-T-H-A-Y-N-E-S. H-A-Y. I like that you threw that I accent know, well, in Well, that's my accent coming out because I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. So uh, That was great. But uh, it just puts something in the subject line, uh, Catholic or GRN, so I can pull it out of the junk mail filter. But if yeah. anybody's interested in uh, – you know, me possibly speaking on this topic. I've done it before. I'm happy to try to come and do it again. Yes, it's, it's one, unfortunately, I think we're going to be facing very seriously. You know, the question that gets, comes down to what do you think the chances are the Equality Act will pass? Okay. Now, that comes down to the Senate and the Senate rules, and this is where, of course, your vote matters and why, as President Obama famously said, you know, elections have consequences. Um, no doubt, as your listeners are aware, Joe, the Senate right now is 50-50, 50 Republicans and 50 Democrats. The tiebreaker, the tiebreaker on a tie vote is the Vice President of the United States, which would be Kamala Harris, which would go with the Democrats. The way the Senate works is on most legislation, the only way you can pass it is if you first vote to end the debate. First you have a debate, then you vote to end that debate and move on to an up or down vote on the legislation. Mm. In order to end that debate, they have to do something called invoking cloture, meaning closing debate. That's where the filibuster comes in. Traditionally, in recent years, the Senate required 60 votes to close debate, to move on to a vote. Mm -hmm. So it only took, and still to this day, only takes 41 senators to defeat a bill because they don't have to vote it down on the merits. All they have to do is refuse to end debate on that bill. Now, some people might say, why would you do that in a democracy? Why isn't it enough to just have 51? And that's, of course, what the Democrats are doing now. And that's why H.R. 1, the bill passed by the United States House of Representatives that would basically nationalize all the the election practices that we saw last November. Mm -hmm. uh, That's why they're looking at that and they're saying, well, maybe we ought to change it just to allow that bill to pass because it is a bill related to the democratic process. But what people should remember is the importance of the filibuster is that it requires a supermajority. And that's important because it helps build consensus. It helps keep legislation 
that is on the extremes from passing by a bare majority. And the Equality Act is an excellent example of that. The House of Representatives passed the Equality, Equality Act with all Democrats and only three Republicans. Mm. It passed uh, 224 to 208, if I recall correctly, by the narrowest of margins. Wow. And by requiring us, if you had had to get 60% of the House of Representatives, for example, it wouldn't have passed. The idea is that the filibuster uh, encourages moderation and helps keep the political spectrum from swinging to the extremes. Mm-hmm. Now, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who is a Democrat, who's not, you know, a true conservative, he stated around the election back in November that he would not vote to end the filibuster. And if they don't get uh, somebody to join, uh, if they don't get Joe Manchin and somebody else to join uh, with them in place of Joe, or somebody to join with them in place of Joe Manchin, they're not going to be able to end the filibuster. Mm. And if they can't end the filibuster, they can't pass the Equality Act. Yeah. Well, I hope this doesn't pass. H, uh, this, uh, this federalizing of of the uh, election. election is kind of also very frightening because it, is, it, is, it, it leaves so many loopholes for, for fraud and for shenanigans in elections and whatnot. And that's not a statement on what happened in November. It's a statement of what could be and uh, free and fair elections is something we want, no matter your politics. So this is, uh, and it's a scary thing. Joe, HR1 would prohibit local officials from removing voters from the rolls. You know, Georgia just passed uh, voter uh, reform. Well, Georgia has problems because they had a consent decree where they got sued by the Stacey Abrams faction. Yeah. Uh, before the 2020 presidential election, mm-hmm. the uh, Republican governor and election commissioner entered into an agreement. Rather than fight the lawsuit, they entered into an agreement. So many people think that they abdicated their responsibility to enforce the law. Rather than go to court and at least put up a fight, they just waved the white flag and entered into an agreement. Uh, I think the Supreme Court's going to hear a voting fraud case out of Arizona. That's what it looks like. I don't know uh, the latest on whether they have accepted it. I did, I did see a news item that it looked like they were going to accept it. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I'm still kind of keeping an eye on the, um, uh, the legislation that's been proposed by Sheila Jackson and Lee on gun control. And thankfully, it's not gone very far to this point. It's still in committee. So who knows whether or not they're going to be able to uh, get this passed uh, within the next couple of years. So the race is on before the midterm elections. They're trying to get as much done as they possibly can. The Equality Act, this uh, vo- uh, nationalizing the, the, the vote and the rules, and then, of course, gun control. All of this is being pro- – immigration, amnesty, all of this is being brought forth. Uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the mounting debt to COVID relief I mean, I was I was very happy to know that uh, Nancy Pelosi wasn't able to get her subway train built on the COVID relief package. Like, thank you, parliamentarian, for taking that out of the bill. But golly gee whiz, can we sustain trillion multi-trillion dollar packages? You know, several times a year. Where, where are we going to come up with this money? Well, it's, and it's not just a matter of where we're going to come up with the money. The question is, what happens if inflation returns? Uh, you're referring to us being older earlier, Joe. You might remember, like I do, the incredible double-digit inflation in the 1970s and early 80s. And there were double-digit interest rates back then, too, and high in unemployment. Mm. You know, Jimmy Carter, when he was running for re-election in 1980, got hung by his own petard when he referred to the misery index. <laughs> and then Ronald Reagan came along and skewered him because Jimmy Carter's misery index went through the roof. Yeah, um, The Federal Reserve 
has has had and you know that's the nation's central bank and they control the money supply they have they have just blown up the money supply in recent years anybody can go online and look up these charts but they have been aiming for an inflation rate of two percent now they're saying they'll aim for an inflation rate of slightly over two percent well they don't control the inflation rate of course um the economy can go ahead and take off you you get the high inflation you have the high debt Mm. uh and coming back to, uh, specifically to the stimulus bill, um, they want to use right now, as it's written, the stimulus bill uh, gives the, the yeah, majority party in the House uh, and then control of the White House and in control of New York and California and Illinois especially. Uh, it gives these states that tend to be big government, high tax, high spending states uh, that are in trouble economically. It gives them a bailout using federal tax dollars. So if you're a citizen who lives in Texas or Florida, where we have lower tax rates, where we think we have more reasonable regulation, yeah. and where we have more economic growth, we and other people around the United States, where our mayors and our city councilmen and our governors and our state legislators have managed more responsibly, you know, in Texas, they balance the budget every year. Mm. Those who have live in areas that, that have acted more responsibly in terms of the local and state governments, under the stimulus package would have to bail out the state of New York and bail out California, bail out New Jersey and all these places that have just been spending money recklessly. So they get reward. California gave out a $600 check to their citizens. Well, the bill would reward the reckless, irresponsible behavior and by bailing them out. And, of course, it punishes those of us who live in areas where we have more responsible government. It's crazy, which leads me to uh, a, a story that's been developing more and more over the past year, I would say, but it goes back many years. In the state of Texas, there's a movement called the Texas Nationalist Movement. And, um, it, you know, up until recently, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And you know, this is a group that's been trying to get Texas to leave the union again uh, and, uh, and become its own country again, the Texas Nationalist Movement. But now they've actually got legislation going through the Texas legislature that would put a vote to the citizens in November to vote on whether or not we should leave the United States. It's called the Texit movement. It's modeled in the Brexit movement. And it's fascinating on one level, and then it's frightening on another level. And how would this affect not just Texas? How does the 10th largest economy on planet Earth affect the United States as a whole if it were just up and leave? How would it affect the rest of the world? Would it kick off a series of dominoes of states leaving the Union again? And who would be left to stand up to the red dragon of communist China if the United States is decimated into smaller bits and pieces? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, on one hand, your, uh, your thought is, well, I would like I would like to live in a country that doesn't persecute me for my religious belief and practice or my conservative values or whatever. On the other hand, boy, there's a lot writing on that. We have about two minutes left, three minutes left, but I would just I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm considering getting the Texas nationalist guy on to really share his opinion on wh wh what he thinks this all means and – how it affects the rest of the world, but well, Joe, you're you're well informed, and your guests and listeners are, uh, because you hit right at the, you know, a, a, right at the real geostrategic worldwide issue when you mentioned China and who would stand up to China. Um, it's unlikely that you know the United States is going to suffer any kind of disillusion 
uh, whether it's one state leaving or a group or anything like that. But you're right. The, 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 real, geo, the real geopolitical question at that point is don't we need all 50 United States to stand up against China? Now, one answer to that, though, Joe, is are we standing up to China now anyway? Maybe and, not, but yeah, I would have it, to imagine it's worse in a scenario where Texas decides to leave than it would be in our current – I mean, yes, I, I agree. It was one of the the things that I did, in fact, appreciate of Donald Trump was that he, he stood up to China. I would have liked to have him to see – to do more, well, not less, but now I feel like we're going to be doing less. Well, the, remember we – um, We have about a minute and a half. We're going to we're gonna have to probably sh- the, table this conversation and then come back to it, I think. Well, the bill in Texas is just to have a vote on a preference. It doesn't mean that Texas is going to leave the union. No, I doubt we would. And by, it, by after the, the 2016 presidential election, yeah. there, were, there was talk in California that Californians wanted to leave the union because Oregon. Donald Trump has, had won the election. Fifteen counties in Oregon are trying to leave Oregon and go to Idaho. Here's the final thought, Joe. The fact that this comes up as a topic over and over again with increasing frequency shows how our society is becoming fractured. Yeah. We're not one community anymore. Yeah. We're, we're several communities that are at war with each other. Yeah, amen. All right, well, that may have to be a guest segment on the regular radio side of Catholic Drive Time. That's going to do it for today. But guess what I found, Adrian? Guess what I have? Nothing good, I'm assuming. I have a, I have a source uh, a secret and awesome source that could reveal all of your incredible, awesome uh, life. This is not good. Live on the radio this tomorrow. This is very bad. On Catholic Drive Time. This, uh, is, this is horrible. Apparently, someone you know apparently. very well has a whistleblower of sorts has come forth to to reveal all hidden secrets. Apparently. Live on the air during your birthday. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. I feel like I've become the new Project Veritas. Um, and tomorrow's the big reveal. <laughs> and if you dare try to uh, detract or say false things, I, I will hit you with a retracto. Just Ooh, like they do. I would love a retracto. Over the, at, uh, the correction alpaca? <laughs> the correction alpaca. Nobody knows. Probably anyway, If you've got to go to Project Veritas' YouTube to see what we're talking about, what kind of joke we're making there. Well, my but, mom uh, would be better than my dad because my